Well, hello there. Welcome to our dreadful little show. Jack Riccardi at 550 and 1071 KTSA. And of all the people to get it, isn't it interesting that Tim Scott gets it? Tim Scott read the room. I don't know if you saw this or not. Uh, a lot of stuff was in the news today and over the weekend, but one of the things I noticed was that Tim Scott went on his old buddy Trey Gowdy's Fox show over the weekend. You know, Gowdy does a weekend show on Fox News, and he had Tim Scott on. You know, Tim Scott is way behind in the polls, single digits. He was kind of out there in, in deep right field during that last debate, and he just kind of blurted out on Gowdy's show that he's not going he's, he's suspending, he's ending the campaign. He's dropping out. Uh, the voters have been clear. He says, now's not the time for me. And uh, this was reported with some surprise, but, but Tim Scott gets it. As somebody I know who's not very political said to me one time, I really liked Tim Scott until he started running for president. And I, I laughed because I knew what she meant, but um, I like him too. Um, but it, it wasn't working as a presidential campaign. It, it's not just Tim Scott, though. I mean, can we just get real here about this? And now I'm, I'm talking about what is happening, not what you wish would happen or what you hope will happen. I'm just talking about what is happening. Every poll says Trump is ahead by 40 or 50 points. Every single poll says he has a 40-something point lead in the Republican field. I mean, polls can be wrong. We've talked about this. Do you think every poll is wrong? Do you think every single one of them is wrong? And, and every single one of them is wrong in the same way and by, and by the same huge margin? So every one of those surveys that says Donald Trump is just running away with this thing in the Republican Party, I don't think those are right. Who are these people they're polling? I presume these are Republican primary voters. These are people that are interested in it and take the, they agree to do the survey. They agree to answer the questions. They, they have an, oh, I have an answer to that. I want to answer that question. Now last week, the Republicans held their third debate and Trump held a rally the same night just up the road. He had 15,000 people at his rally and he was actually kind of low energy, but he, the, the crowd was very into it. Meanwhile, the Republican debate lost something like 40-something percent of its audience, television audience, from the previous one. So it's about as popular as the latest Marvel movie right now. So Tim Scott read the room. He said they want Trump. He didn't, he didn't have to endorse Trump. He didn't even have to say those words. He just recognized that that's what's happening. Now, there are still people telling you, you you don't know what you want. Karl Rove wrote a piece about how uh, voters really don't want this choice. They don't want Trump. They don't want Biden. Uh, voters would rather have anybody but Trump versus Biden. And and Carl, you know, I, I get that you got to say something and you're trying to hold on to that gig, that pundit gig. But you're trying to tell us that yes means no. It's like the opposite of the dating advice. Uh, she says no, but she means yes. Carl thinks if you're a Republican voter, when you say yes to Trump, you really mean no. But maybe they do mean yes, Carl. Bernie Marcus, the guy that founded Home Depot, just wrote a piece. He's 94, I think 93 or 94 years old. And Bernie Marcus has more money than all of us put together. 
and he's very comfortable in terms of his luxury, but he's very worried. He's very worried about the country. It's, it's interesting to see a man of his age so worried about the future. And he says, if people look around and they see what he sees, and I'm going to read the thing later, but if you see what he sees and you're worried about the future of this country, you should be working very hard to get Trump elected. That's what he says. And so I think Tim Scott is reading the room. And, and I want to ask you, are you at this point, are you good with Trump being the Republican nominee, or are you still wanting it to be somebody else? Now now I'm asking you what you want, but up until this point I was talking about this is the way things are. You know, pundits can talk about, well, what if and maybe, but we're the voters. We're, we have to choose among what's available to us. We have to pick something off the menu. I think people are picking. And, you know, I've heard people describe it as a cult, and I've heard people describe it as low information, and I've heard people say it's lazy, and I've heard people say uh, that, that they they just get kind of a kick out of Trump being the, the contrarian and the guy that stirs the pot and all that stuff. But maybe some of those people are also like Bernie Marcus. They seriously think that uh, he's the right guy right now. And it doesn't mean they're crazy about him or they like everything about him. Bernie Marcus says he doesn't like everything about him. Bernie Marcus knows him. He says, I don't really like him in some ways, but he's he's who we need. So I was reading some of the stories over the weekend, this APEC conference. This is what, a, an international conference that's taking place. It's the Asia-Pacific something-something summit, APEC. And uh, it's happening in San Francisco, and you probably have heard about this. Uh, there's been a miracle in the city of San Francisco. The streets are wide open. The sidewalks are clear of homeless people. There's no tents. There's no poop. There's no syringes. The homeless uh, encampments in the open-air drug markets have vanished overnight. And people are asking, well, some people are asking, where, where are all the homeless people? It's a good question. But an even better question is, if you could do this for APEC, then you could have done it at any time. You and I hear so often that homelessness is a thorny, difficult, complicated, multifaceted challenge. It's a problem. There's a lot of moving parts to it. There's a lot we have to, you know, it's it's not easy, folks. As we watch every city, including our own, transform before our eyes. The people running it, the people who, by the way, asked for the job to run it, are telling us it's just too big. And then all of a sudden, the, what is San Francisco? Like the fifth biggest city in the country, fourth biggest city in the country? All of a sudden, snap their fingers, it's done. And it's interesting how they did it. I'll tell you a few things. They put fences up, a lot of them, to keep the rabble away from the VIPs. Big, tall fences in San Francisco, run by the Democrats, in California, run by the Democrats. You know, the party that says walls don't work and walls wound and walls are exclusionary. This is the city whose mayor, uh, when she was running, said we will never abandon our values of inclusivity. We will always be a sanctuary city. 
They've put the homeless people in camps. Camps. And they've built walls. And they've made it all go away. And some people are saying, well, that's because Gavin Newsom wants to be president. Yeah, I mean, obviously he wants to be president. But my takeaway is, I I don't really, I'm not that interested in why they did it. I, I think I know why they did it. My takeaway is, you did it. This means you you can never again tell us you don't know how to do it or you can't manage it or you can't you don't you, you don't have the, the the resources the money where would we put them what about the 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 humanity and the rights and the we have to tread gently and we're a sanctuary no no now we can't have President Xi come to every American city and not every place is going to host an international conference and not every city or state is going to have a chief executive that wants to run for president but don't ever let them tell you they can't do it cuz they just did solve homelessness in a major city speaking of major cities i saw an interesting kind of comment somebody said it took 80 years but the nazis finally conquered london I mean, we've talked for a while about, like, Western culture and Western civilization, and I don't know how you feel about it, but I'm always a little nervous about watching the Brits lose their way because I see them as the, the they should be the, 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 the people, the, the culture that best gets Western civilization. It kind of came from them. But the Brits aren't the Brits anymore. In fact, British people people of british lineage are a minority in all their major cities now including london and so when you look at these hundreds of thousands of people who have taken over the streets of london and the obvious decline of western values and people holding signs that say hitler knew how to deal with these people That uh, that guy in X was right. The Nazis have taken London. And um, it's terrifying in its own right. There's a lot of incidents of people being chased and businesses being firebombed and everything else. Uh, but but let me ask another question. I mean, as rep- it's, it's, it's so shocking that maybe you just stop at the shock and the disgust of seeing people chanting death to the Jews in what we think of as a as a cultured, civilized, cosmopolitan place. But let me ask you another question. Who are these people? And why are they taking over bridges and streets and train stations in major cities around the world? What, is, what does that have to do with Israel and Hamas. Why can't we call this terrorism in the sense that it's interfering with, disrupting, destroying people's lives and livelihood? You know, when I see those crowds, all I think of is there's some schlub trying to get to work. There's somebody trying to get to a class. There's somebody who needs the income, who's going to be late or maybe not make his or her shift at all and not get paid or get fired. There's a business that can't open. There's a restaurant that can't serve. There's a bar that has to 
put up plywood instead of put out tables on the sidewalk. And um, this is, if, if, if you're not shocked by the signs, the chants, the anti-Semitism, it's also terrorism just like destroying hubs of transportation or centers of business would be. And again, there's a lot to analyze and a lot to unpack. And one of the things we know is that the Europeans and the British are much worse at assimilating and absorbing immigrants than we are. So what's happened in these places is people are in the city, but they're not of the city. They're in the country, but they're not of the country. They are living essentially squatting in these cultures. But they have never said they wanted to be part of it. They never even pretended. And these countries had no mechanism by which to insist that they do so. In fact, the woman that was making the most sense on this just got fired. I want to play this for you. This is the Home Secretary for the UK government. I think we played this before when she said it. Suella Braverman just got fired by the Conservative government in London. And part of what they fired her for was her cr- public criticism of this barbarian invasion and this failure to stand up to barbarianism. And she said this a few months ago, but take a listen to Suella Braverman, cut number four. Immigration, inadequate integration, and a misguided dogma of multiculturalism have proven a toxic combination for Europe over the last few decades. I'm not the first to point this out. In 2010, Angela Merkel gave a speech in which she acknowledged that multiculturalism had utterly failed. And then French President Nicolas Sarkozy and British Prime Minister David Cameron echoed similar sentiments shortly thereafter. Multiculturalism makes no demands of the incomer to integrate. It has failed because it allowed people to come to our society and live parallel lives in it. They could be in the society, but not of the society. And in extreme cases, they could pursue lives aimed at undermining the stability and threatening the security of our society. We are living with the consequence of that failure today. You can see it play out in the streets all over Europe, from Malmo to Paris, Brussels to Leicester, It is 13 years since Merkel gave her speech, and I'm not sure that very much has changed since. If people are not able to settle in our countries and start to think of themselves as British, American, French, or German, then something is going badly wrong. All right, so she says it right. She says she's, I mean, she's no Kamala Harris, I know, but... But she says it right. She says it clearly. She leaves only one thing out. She leaves only one thing out. And that is that if, if you want people to be of and not just in your country and, and your, and your culture, you have to demand it. You, you have to make it a condition. You, you can come in if you can visit if. You can apply for citizenship if you can come to college here if we're not doing that. It's really simple. It, it's, it's, it's fine to complain about these, these people, but 
The problem is not asking for the order. Any salesman will tell you, you don't get the order unless you ask for the order. We are not asking people when they come to this country to accept and accommodate what we value, what is, what is our, what are our principles. Cause we're, we're not sure of them ourselves. And, and if we're having a problem with it, they're really having a problem with it over there. So we're going to talk about the mobs and San Francisco and the homeless and Trump and the race and your calls. You can join the show at 210-599-5555 right now on KTSA. I can see. All right, on the JR poll, we're asking you today, are you uh, thinking right now that uh, Trump should be the Republican nominee or one of the others? Because Tim Scott realized that uh, he had given people an alternative, and they didn't want it. And, you know, I, I have nothing against these people, but, it, it, you know, the, the numbers don't lie. And it's not a, it's not a close call. And these polls can't all be wrong. And I'm not even suggesting what candidates should do. I mean, Tim Scott dropped out. But why is it so hard for the, 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 the talking heads and the elites in the Republican Party to see that um, people are looking around at the stuff we're talking about right now? And they believe that Trump matches that moment. And people have been given choices, and, and, and I think good ones. They're not taking them. And they're not even taking them in the sense that if you add up all the support for all the other non-Trump people, that still doesn't really come close to him. Right? So where are you on that right now? 210-599-5555. You know, it's a separate conversation. Would people like to have a better choice? But we're, we're, we're like the workers. We gotta make the choice. We gotta choose what, what's available. You can't go to the, the, the polls and daydream about the perfect candidate. You have to choose somebody that's available and eligible. 210-599-5555. And yeah, the San Francisco story is just not another word. I don't want to hear another, I don't want to hear another word about how intractable the homeless problem is. You made it go away over a weekend. Because you had to. Because you couldn't stand the way it would look. And how, how does that feel to people that live there and pay taxes there? And, you know, they haven't all moved away yet. Some people are still trying to stick it out. And so they watched their politicians all lie to them. You're going to have to live with this. We're doing the best week. And then, boom, fixed it. All of a sudden. And the protests. We're talking about the protests. It isn't... It isn't just the race of a person. It is the cultural outlook. There are probably a lot of immigrants in any country. You could pick any country, our country or any country. And you could probably find a lot of immigrants that are the most grateful, appreciative, humbled, and admiring citizens of that country. Maybe they get it in a way that only an outsider can. So it's not, it's, it, it's, it's not the act of being from somewhere else or having a different color skin or a different kind of uh, 
name. It's the commitment to the culture. And Britain and France and all these countries that are seeing Palestinian riots have, have admitted people who don't identify and, and reject the values. And they are now the country. And they are flexing their muscles over Hamas, but it could be over anything. They're letting you know, we have the numbers. We have the streets. 210-599-5555. Uh, Michael is on line one on the Jack Riccardi Show on KTSA. Michael, good afternoon. Hey, um, regarding Trump, I think that there's a, a lot of the other candidates, if they drop out, most of their voters are going to go to non-Trump people, and some might go to Trump. But if mm-hmm. it got narrowed down to one versus Trump, it would probably be a somewhat close race, which would push mm-hmm. Trump to have to debate and then pick Maybe. between the two. But Maybe. as long as we have a lot of candidates, it's going to be Trump. And I'll vote yeah. for him happily. He's not my number one choice, but I'll... I'm just scared that another Trump-Biden thing is going to happen, that's all. Why are you scared that, of that? that the, the, country, the country, there's too many people that just loathe Trump for his personality, and mm-hmm. it's not his personality that affects our life. It's his policies, mm-hmm. which are wonderful. But there are people, I have friends, who just won't vote for him right. because he's a jerk. And, and I'm afraid that there's too many of those people. Okay. So. I, I think there are some people like that, but I also, I, I think as we get closer to the election, uh, how you feel about a person's personality is going to matter less and how worried you are about your own paycheck, your own budget, your own kids is going to matter more. Michael, thanks for the call. I appreciate having you. We're going to get to more of these uh, coming up. Uh, Gilbert, hang on. I'm coming to you, and we're going to update KTSA Time Saver Traffic here on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Wrapping with Jack time, hoping you can help us out. We'll be at uh, the famous Blue Bonnet Palace in Selma on December 6th to wrap the presents and hope you can come out and join us. But also, if you if you feel it and if you can do it, uh, we need donations of money and or gifts for Family Service Association right now. Go to KTSA.com, click on the Wrapping with Jack button. Help us any way you can, please. I'm begging you, we have only a little bit of time left because December 6th is right around the corner. Um, sorry. So they, uh, they had a big, uh, kind of free for all fight clash in, uh, London the other night. It was people coming out of, uh, a, a soccer match. So these are Brits and they collide with a, with a big pro Hamas mob and, you know, that sums up in a way what's happening to their culture. It's the, it's the the clash of the traditional with the clash of the newly arrived. Uh, you have the attack on Grand Central Station here uh, over the weekend. Look, th- this is the definition of terrorism. This is like 9-11. 9-11 was about targeting centers of, e- of the economy and of government and disrupting uh, to the point of bringing a country to its, to its knees, to a halt. They're doing it. In our major cities, they're doing it. Uh, and it's, and it's being allowed to happen. It's being allowed to happen, I think, in, in large part on numbers. I, I don't think these cities want the fight. I don't think they have the police to do it. I don't think they want to be seen as calling out the, the National Guard or whatever. That's it, a bad look for politicians. So they're letting it play out. They're making excuses for it. Kamala Harris said people have a right to protest. We have to give people space to do it. Why are they doing it there? The decisions about, 
Israel and supporting Israel are not being made uh, outside the soccer match in London. They're not being made w- with people that are getting their trains. So why aren't the, the, if this is about policy, why aren't they at the place and in front of the people making the policy? It's not. It's not about that. And I, I'm, I'm going to say it. I, I was, uh, in disagreement with uh, Jed Babin about this a couple of weeks ago, I really don't think police in places like New York and London can handle this. This has gotten too big. It's been allowed to mushroom. The numbers are too great. This is not like an Occupy Wall Street. It's ten times the size of that, and they can't do it. So rather than admit that they've let something get away from them, the politicians are pretending, oh, this is fine. This is the way things are supposed to work. Uh, 210-599-5555, and we're talking about the election and whether or not uh, you are good with it being Trump or you want somebody else. Tim Scott said he realized it's going to be Trump. Uh, Gilbert is on the radio at 210-599-5555. Hello, Gilbert. Yeah, Jack, uh, I just wanted to say that uh, we all know that the Senate ain't no dummy. And he can read the writing on the wall, but I think what happened was they told him, hey, this guy's going down, he's going to go to prison, they're going to keep charging him. And so just go ahead and run, and we'll back you up and everything. And I think that's why he's still in. Uh, I think he's thinking Trump's going to go down. Um. Okay, well, I, I mean, that's probably why he's running. But, I mean, in the meantime, Gilbert, I, I think it's pretty clear that, like, 50-something percent of Republicans are saying we want Trump. Now, you know, if he goes down, then we can talk about who's, you know, next man up. But why are we pretending, why are people like Karl Rove pretending they don't know when it's never been more obvious? Well, they they took it from him the last time. So they figured they're going to take it again. They made a deal with DeSantis. So and I think he, Nikki Haiti's probably thinking, well, maybe he'll pull me as a... As, uh, Vice, but, no, no, but you, you're, you're, we're talking about past each other, Gilbert. I, I don't disagree with what you're saying, but what I'm saying is I'm not talking about what, what they're going to do to Trump. What I'm talking about is haven't people made it pretty clear they want him? Oh, yeah, that's true, but they don't care what that's we what want. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm it's saying. What well, no but, it, yeah. no, but it does matter who we want because we're the ones that actually have to go out and do it. They took it last time, and we didn't do anything, so why can't they take they it They didn't again? take it from him. What he got the nomination do? last time. He's been nominated twice. I mean, the vote. Uh, they had all them. Uh, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking. Okay, Gilbert, thank you for the call. I appreciate it. No, I, what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, and, and I know there's a lot of moving parts to this. All I'm saying is, why do the talking heads on Fox and CNN and MSNBC and all these places, and a lot of people on talk radio, why why do you pretend why do you insult our audience and their intelligence by pretending it might not be clear and it's not yet clear and we haven't figured it out yet no it's clear tim scott sees it tim scott wanted to be president and he ran and i think he's a good guy but he said you know they they don't want me it's not my time and when Karl Rove says voters don't want this matchup or voters don't really want Trump, how, how can you look at these numbers and say that? And even if, even if you wanted to say, well, uh, it's reluctant support. Okay. But th- the rallies are, are packed. And Trump's not really even putting that much energy into them. I mean, frankly, I would be a little concerned about the fact that he looks like he's kind of running out of steam, but, but 
people are not losing their enthusiasm for going out to see him. And they get pumped up about it. And when he goes to a WWE event or he goes to a college football game, is there any other politician in this country that would get the kind of response? I don't think Biden could go to any sporting event of any kind and get that kind of response. So there's something out there that that fits in with what Bernie Marcus is saying, that as, as we start to see how serious things are all around us, we can't get this wrong. And people are... are coming around to and saying, well, despite this, and even though he does that, he seems like he's suited for this, and he showed before that he was. I'm, I'm not telling you who to vote for. I'm just pointing out that it's not difficult to see the movement, the direction, and the way that people are figuring it out. I, like it, I think it's, it's entirely possible that a lot of people who say Trump to the pollsters don't like him, but they just think they got to hire him. If you have a company and you've got a, a hard job to do and you're interviewing people for that job, you might hire the person that's not your favorite person or the most likable person, but if somebody strikes you as, wow, I don't think there's anybody I've talked to that, that could do this or would be strong enough to do this or could withstand what it will take to do this, I'm hiring this guy and I'll I'll sometimes regret it, but most of the time I won't. That's what I think people are doing. We're, we're hiring, you and I. That's what we're going to do. Uh, 210-599-5555. Alan is on the Jack Riccardi Show on line one. Alan, good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon, Mr. Riccardi. I love uh, listening to your show. Thank you very much uh, for all you're doing and giving me the opportunity to say something. I, I actually got a couple things, but let me just get the first thing out of the way. Uh, your main topic you know, uh, you know, it's pretty obvious that I think the, uh, you know, average guy on the street, you know, average gal on the street, that Trump is uh, the right person. I mean, given the track record uh, that he had and given where we are today, you know, I mean, the world's on fire, basically. Uh, we, we know that that's the right person. And, you know, to, to your point of why are the talking heads, the, you know, Fox News, CNN, why, why are they doing this? I... I'm, I'm not too sure if it, if it has to do with, you know, a, a nefarious, they're all part of the swamp and they're all part of this, you know, uh, you know, big conglomeration that they, they don't want Trump or, and, and they want, you know, I, I don't know, the world to be on fire. Or if it's just that, you know, like you say, you know, taking a look at Carl Rowe and his shtick, you know, you, you wouldn't, nobody cares about what uh, Carl Rose says unless he says something like that. And so maybe it's, it's that, that, that mm-hmm. it generates mm-hmm. enough, I don't know, uh, <laughs> awe. That's a good, that's a good uh, thought. I mean, he's trying, to, he's trying to stay relevant and he's trying to, you know. But w- w- if you were Carl Rove, and I would never wish it on you, Alan, wouldn't, thank you, thank you. wouldn't, it, be important, wouldn't it be important to be right? Like, it's it it it's they just I'm like I I you know I didn't particularly like Barack Obama but I could see that it was going to be Barack Obama we all could and at that point you're calling it the way it's going to happen you're not calling for what you hope happens you're calling for what you see happening right in front of you you know the announcers on the football game don't call the the, the game the way they hope it turns out they call the plays as they happen and 
the the plays are happening. People people are settling on Trump. I don't think they're going to change their mind. Do you? I, I don't. I, I don't. I don't think so either. Everything that and, we you know, see, in the, like you said, everything that happens every day that shocks and dismays us only builds the case for him. Yes, yes. And so I, I don't. I, I. It sometimes it is a little puzzling, and I don't know if it's a generational thing or not. And you know, buddy of mine, we're just talking about it earlier today. It just, it just, it, it just seems so bizarre. You know uh, that 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 somebody would like Karl Rowe, who's supposed to be a Republican, uh, that would actually say something like that. It just, it, you know, but, but it's not just him. <laughs> it's, no. it's a lot of people, and it's a lot of organizations, and it's just, and it's bizarre. And, and, and you know, that, that cultural norm that you were, you know, talking about, where, you know, where we're taking a look at everything that's going on, it's, it's as if, you know, the world is taking stupid pills or something. I, it just doesn't make any sense as to what's happening right now. And, and, and so, you know, I, I like, you know, listening to One American News Network and watching and listening to your show and conservative, you know, talk shows. And just when you see stuff that just it seems so blatantly obvious, it, mm-hmm. it, it makes mm-hmm no sense and so the the cultural norm we're bringing a bunch of people immigrants in and i and the reason i mentioned one american news network is because they 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 mentioned teddy roosevelt's talking about the immigrants yeah. and the immigrants yeah. coming into our country but that they yeah. have to learn to be us you know to be americanization yeah. is speaking yeah. our language and you know not giving up not saying give up because your, because we would have we would have been experiencing this 130 140 years ago if if we had not had the confidence of leaders like Roosevelt and, and many others and the confidence in our own culture uh, the, the the waves of Italian and German and and uh, other immigrants would have done this to our country they were coming from very disruptive and disrupted uh, places with socialism and monarchies and dictatorships. You're, you're, you're 100% right. And so if we don't ask people to, uh, and, and demand that people, uh, join, then don't be surprised, uh, if they don't. Uh, Alan, great to talk to you. Thank yes, you. Sir. Thank you for the call. Thank you for the kind words. And, you know, one other thing Alan just, just, I think pointed out really well when he, he kept saying, you know, you look at what's happening and you can't make sense of it. And is the world taking stupid pills? The more that people see the more that r- normal people look at the world and cannot figure it out. And I'm not talking about like, um, I don't have time to keep up with the news. You're keeping up with the news, but you can't figure it out. The more you realize it's going to take somebody in a position of power who says this is not right. And when I watched the debate last week, one of the things I noticed was that the other people on the stage, what Saturday Night Live called the, the, the kids' table, their message is the country is basically all right. And Trump's message is, the, no, it's not all right. This is not all right. And, and so when people like Alan are watching the news and don't recognize their own the streets of their own cities don't recognize the behavior of their own police don't recognize uh a a, a an, the, the behavior of an allied culture like the brits uh 
naturally they're going to look for a leader who says, yeah, I see this too. I, I, I know what you're seeing and I see it too. I'm, I'm worried about it too. They're not going to want somebody who says, hey, everything's all right. We just got to nibble around the edges a little bit, do some entitlement reform. No. In another time, that might be enough. But this is the time when you're looking for somebody who says, yes, Alan, yes, Jack, I see what you're seeing. I'm as disturbed about it as you are. We gotta, we gotta get serious. 210-599-5555. All right. Your calls on all of this. I'm gonna play you, I'm gonna play you an actual phone call to the Harvard admissions office. You gotta hear this. Um, coming up after we update KTSA Time Saver Traffic. So I'm gonna say at the outset that we are not 100% sure that this is a real call. I mean, it is a, it's a prank call for sure, and it claims to be a call that was made to the Harvard University Admissions Office. It's a, it's a mom uh, asking a few questions about her Hamas terrorist son going to Harvard, and it, it's, either, it's either really a, Har- a Harvard admissions staff person or it's a pretty good impression of probably what would happen if you made a call like this. Take a listen. Harvard Admissions, how may I help you? Hello, my name is Jama. My son Hamid would really like to register to your establishment next year. I think you might have heard of him. He was one of the uh, Hamas fighters who participated in the fight of uh, October 7th. A real uh, political activist. So I wanted to uh, ask if you have uh, some kind of... Uh, Political uh, activism scholarship? No, all of our scholarships are need-based. There aren't any merit-based scholarships. It would not help if he says that he's Hamas fighter. Everything that a student does helps them in the process. That's just okay, so that would be helpful if he writes down that he was in the October 7 uh, massacre. In, in, a, in addition to everything else, our process mm. looks at the student's entire secondary school career, both inside and outside of the classroom. And the massacre is it's an advantage, right? Every, I, any of their activities. We look at all of their activities <laughs> okay, inside good. and outside of the classroom. And don't yeah. worry, he, he didn't rape any captive. He's very respectful for a gender self-definition. Mm. He only killed them. He's very feminist. So it will be okay, right? I, all I can say to you is that he can apply. Great, great. Because he's very respectful for uh, ethnic minorities. He only slaughtered white babies. We, we don't need more white male in the world, right? Hello. Do you have any other <laughs> admissions questions I can answer for you? Yes, we want to make sure about uh, your uh, campus rules, so we don't do anything uh, forbidden. You can smoke in the campus surroundings? Um, I'm not sure if you can smoke on... Okay, what about drinking? Uh, drinking's not allowed. Oh, what Boy, about really raping? Down the law on that one. Very clear. Oh, wait, what? That's not allowed on campus either. That's not allowed. Okay, not allowed. Uh, how about the slaughtering babies? Around the campus? That's not, not allowed on campus. Either. What about wearing a hat? You can wear a hat. Oh, good. Hat. I was afraid for a moment. Okay. He's looking forward to being in your school. He has a lot of very, very fun activities for him and the students and everyone. It will be so much fun. 
Thank you very, very much. Have a good day. Wow. You too. And that's it. That's I, I, I'll tell you what. I, I like it whether it's a well-crafted piece of satire, meaning that both sides are actors, or if it really is an actor engaging with a Harvard admissions staff person. And um, it, it does not occur to him for a moment to raise any concern, objection, say anything discouraging. I think my favorite part was how he is respectful and feminist uh, with the female captives. That's, you, you gotta, oh, and, and he, he was he was okay with the, we don't want to have too many white people at Harvard. So anyway, that's where we are, one of America's great universities, quote unquote. We've got the news, Tom will run it down for us. We'll continue the conversation here on KTSA. Oh man, you gotta hear this. So I was, I was listening to Joe talk about uh, Jimbo Fisher got fired by the Aggies. Uh, and somebody on X wrote, Jimbo Fisher made $20,000 a year in his first college coaching job, which was in 1992 at Samford which I believe is an FCS school in Alabama, Samford College, I think it is. So 30 years ago, $20,000 to be an OC. This firing, this severance from Texas A&M, he will be paid $26,000 a day not to coach. I have been not coaching most of my life. I've never been paid for it. I want this deal. But you know, everybody is mad at, at Jimbo Fisher. I guess they're, I guess maybe they're less mad at him now. Um, I don't blame these guys. I, I don't blame them at all. When you're, when you're a, first of all, college football is the most unpredictable anything can happen sport, I think. I really do. I don't know if there's any other sport where it's a very short season. It's a very small sample size. You coach basically 12 regular season games. And just the nature of the sport, even more so now than ever with the portal and stuff, it, really anything can happen. I mean, generally, we know who the best teams will be and who will have winning records, but but outside of that, there's not a hell of a lot of difference between 7-5 and five and 5-7 five and seven and bowl eligible and not bowl eligible and... I just, I I imagine that Jimbo Fisher smelled the desperation when they hired him. He had come from Florida State. He'd had success there. There was no reason to believe, in my opinion, that he could take that success with him. But they believed it. They wanted to believe it. You know, Texas A&M trustees wanted to pay him the money. They wanted to do it. They are sad about it now and everybody's mad about it now. I'm not making an Aggie joke and I'm I'm I, I feel for you. I do. But he took the money because you guys threw it at him. And Mel Tucker took the money at Michigan State because they threw it at him and they wanted so badly the Mel Tucker narrative to be true. And Lincoln Riley at USC is another one. Not as great a failure as Jimbo Fisher, but a failure. That's a huge disappointment. They're supposed to be a CFP team and they're they're you know, collapsing. And and I think he's lost his players. 
But these guys get the money because the, the schools want to believe. And tell me again why we need to forgive student loan debt and bail out higher education. Please remind me again why we need to do that. By the way, that Harvard um, admissions phone call, what did you think of that? 210-599-5555. The president of Harvard, Claudine Gay, just put out a statement uh, condemning anti-Semitism. Anti-Semitism has no place here. I affirm our commitment to protect all members of our community from harassment and marginalization. She said on Friday, explicitly condemning the use of the phrase from the river to the sea. Do you think it had anything to do with the thousands or hundreds, I guess, maybe not thousands, hundreds of letters and canceled donations and pulled donations? I'm sorry to say it, but that is that is the one leverage you still have in this culture is is your dollar you know whether it's whether it's bud light or it's harvard that they're not interested in your angst <laughs> they're not interested in your in your dismay they do seem to notice when you pull your dollar just saying 210-599-5555 here's something to watch i don't know if you we're into the TV show Stranger Things. My daughter really liked it, and I got into it with her and watched it with her. It was a limited-run series, kind of a sci-fi thing. It was really very good, actually. I, was, I, was, I, I really enjoyed it, and I didn't expect to. One of those things you watch with your kids and you wind up enjoying. Um, and it had a young cast. Stranger Things was basically a story about these kids in a small town, and they get caught up in this very freaky-deaky Upside down world, supernatural, you know, uh, things are not what they appear to be, which, you know. One of the actors on Stranger Things uh, is a young man named Noah Schapp, uh, and he is Jewish. And he kind of came out on this show as a star and, and has emerged and has kind of grown up on the show. He's maturing into a young man, and um, he now is being very outspoken in support of Israel and Zionism. Uh, and he's posting. This isn't like where he's walking down the street with a, you know, a, a T-shirt on and somebody took a picture. He's, he's openly promoting his support of Zionism and Israel. And he's taking a lot of, and, and Zionism is just the movement, the, the Jewish intellectual and political movement, which began many decades before the state of Israel was created. So it's sort of shorthand for advocating for and then supporting the case for a, an Israeli state. Anyway, Noah Schnapp has come out in favor of that. And uh, he's getting a lot of really ugly reactions to it. He's probably getting a lot of support for it, too. But people are saying things like he doesn't deserve the success he's getting. And he can sit in his fancy cafes with his friends and be pro-genocide. And I'm not going to watch the fifth season of Stranger Things because of this and blah, blah, blah. And he is saying he supports Israel and he's heartbroken by the violence of October 7th. He said, you either stand with Israel or you stand with terrorism. I wonder what will happen here. 
I, I, I want to think positively, but um, so many of these stories, and he's very young, you know, so many of these stories, we have it for you one day, and then the next day we're telling you the public figure backed down, walked it back, retracted it, apologized for saying it. He hasn't done that. He hasn't done that. I hope he doesn't. I I really hope he can stick with this. He's very young. He's just starting out. You know there are people calling him. Maybe even his own reps are calling him and going, hey, this is this could be career suicide and you, you don't want to do this and you, you need to you need to back out of this. But I was thinking about what he's doing is is really much more courageous than being in a mob of three hundred thousand people in Trafalgar Square. I mean, if you just go along with the crowd and you're in the crowd and you're joining in the chants. It's like singing in church. I sing in church because no one can hear me, because I'm terrible. And I don't mind because no one can tell. I wouldn't sing like that if you could hear me because it's awful, but in church you can't hear me so I can do it. The people in Trafalgar Square are not brave. They're singing in church. People who have prominence in a public position and are saying, look, I know what's right and I'm going to say it and I'm going to risk and I'm going to put on the line my, my success, that's, that's courageous. I wonder why no one asks this question of all these pro-Hamas people at Harvard and MIT and Yale and Cornell and... London and Paris and Rome and Milan. Why doesn't anyone ask them a simple question? In in the past, in history, when you really believed in a fight and you were young, not old and broken like I am, but young, you were in the prime of your life, you joined the fight. You joined the Spanish Civil War. You joined the French Foreign Legion. You joined the Flying Tigers of General Chenault in China. You got into the battle, even if your country wasn't in the battle. Or maybe it was, but you believed on the wrong side. Even Rick in Casablanca. I don't want to spoil it if you haven't seen the movie, but Rick joins the fight. That's the whole point of the movie. Why is it important to shut down train stations and cafes and lie down in the street and harass elderly people and break stuff? If you care so much, join the fight. Your side's losing badly. Hamas is getting its ass kicked. Why don't you get over there? If it's genocide, if you feel so strongly... Go. I, I, I don't want to hear that that's complicated or they wouldn't let me. No, go. Try. If they don't let you, you can come back and say you tried. I'll, I'll respect that. But, but they don't try. No one, and no one asks that. You care so much. And they're screaming at the top of their lungs. They're, they're acting out the part of warriors, but there's no, the war is in here. The war's not on time, in Times Square. The war's over there. Go. They they need they need all the help they can get. I'd love to see that question asked. Two ten five nine nine.
5555 update on KTSA Time Saver Traffic here next. Don't forget you can hit up the Jack Chat line anytime, either during the live show or when you're listening to the podcast. Don't want to leave you out if you're listening to the podcast and you're like, oh man, if I could call in right now, I would say this or I would tell Jack that. You can call 210-599-5550, 210-599-5550, and leave those comments, leave that insightful remark that's going to blow the doors off the conversation and we'll play those back as we get them and again it's 210-599-5550 for the jack chat line hope i'm saying this right it's a town in wisconsin called wawatosa is that how you pronounce it you'll correct me if i'm wrong we'll go with wawatosa till we know otherwise wawatosa is a town in wisconsin where the uh, city offices the municipal offices have been told that this year in decorating for Christmas and the holidays, they should not use red and green. What? Now, they need to use neutral and inclusive colors and decorations. I'll tell you what, every year, it never fails. Every year, somebody goes for the gold medal of wokeness around Christmas. It's... It must be very tempting for woke people. Like Christmas, maybe no one's more excited about Christmas than the woke people are. I mean, you and I, we think we love it. No one loves it more than the people that hate it. Man, the people that love hate, that, that hate Christmas couldn't be more excited. Their love of hating it exceeds even our love for it. So anyway, they were told to, um, not use traditional colors and symbols because those are exclusionary the colors that were suggested included purple and blue <laughs> this is not this is not the babylon b this is this is the actual news from wawatosa they suggested that winter themed decorations be used such as snowflakes or snow people and by the way that was what they called them not snowmen snow people now you i know we're in the south but you've seen a snowman right is there anything more gender neutral than a snowman i mean how do you how do you screw that up what could be more amorphous than a snowman snow people so clearly, in an atmosphere where you can't use red, you can't use green, you can't use snowmen, you can't use you clearly can't have anything that hints at religion. We wouldn't want to suggest that there had ever been any kind of religious connotation to the winter holiday. Departments have been used have been uh, urged not to use any religious decorations associated solely with christmas this is coming from the deputy city manager a woman named melissa well i say woman i i I don't know she's a woman name i don't know how she identifies melissa cantorero weiss of course would be a hyphenated name um deputy city administrator in wabatosa uh who calls snowmen snow people so it's going to be a very very um confusing christmas there you won't know what time of year it is Purple, blue. (laughs) 
Um, now, blue, I think, is associated with Hanukkah, isn't it? Wait till she finds that out. That'll go. They'll get rid of that in a hurry. Hanukkah, by the way, I don't know if you know this or not, Hanukkah is about to become as verboten as Christmas ever was, thanks to what's going on right now. Uh, our Jewish friends are about to join the Christians in having a uh, a holy uh, observance that is totally unacceptable uh, to the woke people, to the wokesters. So they're suggesting things that are very vague and nonspecific to the time of year or the holidays. Uh, she also said a penguin would be good. And this will foster a, quote, more equitable and inclusive community. And this is what I mean, by the way, all kidding aside, this is what I mean about cultural timidity. If you are afraid to live your own traditions and culture, clearly people just coming here will not take it seriously or respect it. We're not saying when you come to this country, you have to celebrate Christmas. Or when you come to this country, you have to join the you know American Legion. We're just saying we're going to live our culture, we're going to live our traditions, we're going to live our beliefs, and you have to be okay with that, and you have to give space to that and respect to that. You can do whatever you want after that, but you have to, you have to respect the place you've chosen to live and the place that's taken you in. And if you don't have the courage to do it, and we don't, Culturally, I'm sorry, we don't. You do, but I mean, we as a culture do not. We're, we're afraid of our own traditions. We're afraid to teach our own values. We don't, we don't dare teach about the founding fathers because they were men and they were white. And, you know, if you, um, if you act that way about your own stuff, nobody else will respect your stuff. And that's, to me, that's in a nutshell, that's what's happened. Only now it's gotten so bad that even if we are coming to our senses or we're deciding we don't like living this way with, uh, you know, I'm sure there's even people on the left that are sick and tired of a riot every, every weekend. But now, now the, this, you know, the genie's out of the bottle. Now you, you're looking at, well, how, how do we, how do we climb down from this? How do we put this back? And that takes us back to the thing we started the show with. The, the Trump phenomenon is this simple. It's as simple as people looking at what's happening, being disgusted by it, and remembering the last time they heard somebody make some sense about it. And you'll be amazed at how much they can overlook the tweets, the hair, the furniture shopping with Billy Bush on the Access Hollywood bus. You'll be amazed at what they can overlook. Because Trump made some sense to them once, or said something once, or did something once, or went to the, you know, went to, um, Mount Rushmore on the 4th of July and talked about we're, we're going to protect our statues and we're going to have even more of them. Those are the things people are just looking for. Not perfection, just somebody that 
sees it the way they see it, and more and more people are seeing it. All right, 210-599-5555. Update right here on KTSA Time Saver Traffic. Boy, I can remember, and um, can I tell a story real quick? I'll tell you a story. So I can remember years ago, um, we, we would get to rapping with Jack season, and my daughter, she was a little girl, she got the biggest kick out of going with me. To, we would go, sometimes we'd go to a, to like Walmart, or we'd go to a dollar store, or different places. She... Her first understanding of rapping with Jack was that she could pick things out for a family or for other kids. And I want to tell you, when we talk about donating gifts for us to wrap at our big wrapping event on December 6th for Family Service Association, I, I know I'm asking you to do it, but I'm telling you, I am telling you, this gets so much better if you have kids or grandkids and you include them in this, you get them involved in this. You give them a budget, take them to the store and say, okay, we're going to spend X amount of dollars and we need to get some good things for kids your age or for a family. What do you think they would need? Let's look around. What, what would you do? What would you get? And she would pick out blankets and she would check out, pick out pajamas and she'd say, oh, I think they would really like this, this doll and I think they would really like this hairbrush kit. And um, can we get socks? Yeah, let's get some socks. And we'd get some, maybe we'd get some, um, like, baby toys, you know, rattles and things that babies play with in the crib and stuff like that. So anyway, you know, kids kids only think when they're little of the stuff they would like. It's it's very eye-opening for them when they are choosing for others. And she knew that she would be fine. She knew that Santa would come to, you know, her stocking. Santa had her letter. But I remember when she was of that age, it, it was the best time I ever had getting ready for Rappin' with Jack. It was the most fun to, to watch it through her eyes. And if you have that opportunity, please do this, okay? Don't miss these years with your kids or your grandkids. Now, now when she got older, she wanted to go shopping, <clears throat> go shopping with her girlfriends and pick out something when she was out with her girlfriends. This can be a lifelong thing, but get get your kids involved. Go to KTSA.com. There's a whole list, more things than you could possibly shake a stick at, as the saying goes. Uh, we have all kinds of suggestions there, and you don't have to limit yourself to what's on that list, but it's a big list. These are things that the families from Family Service Association need. Pick them out, drop them off with our sponsors, or bring them the night of December 6th. I kind of prefer that you drop them off ahead of time. We like to know what we're going to have, but either way is good. And then join us December 6th at the famous Blue Bonnet Palace. That's Rappin' with Jack, presented by Quarter Moon Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning, River City Oral Surgery, Institute for Functional Health, and Copenhagen Imports. 210-599-5555 will... Get you on the show right now. You can join the show right now. I, I said uh, I would read this to you. This is Bernie Marcus, the founder of uh, Home Depot. He he just wrote this. And by the way, I think I had his age wrong. He's actually 94. He says, I'm 94 years old. And like many of you, I'm exhausted by politics and saddened by what I see happening to America. 
I had hoped it was time for me to move to the sidelines and let younger generations fight the fight to preserve America's freedoms and values, but like so many of us, I realized I could not let myself walk away. The stakes are just too high. We cannot let the America we see today be what we leave to our children and grandchildren. And he talks about our once great cities devolving into lawlessness and violence, rarely consequences for the wrongdoing because of George Soros-elected prosecutors across America. Moreover, our southern border is unprotected, and millions of people we know nothing about pour into our nation to receive care and benefits we cannot afford to provide to our own struggling military veterans. School children across America cannot read, write, or do basic math, while our educational leaders tell us that they know better than parents how to raise our children. That cannot be our legacy. He says, I wrote this op-ed because of my love for America, not for any financial gain or advantage. I've been retired over 30 years. I spend my time engaged in philanthropic causes, to which I've committed 90% of my net worth. I was born here, he writes, this is Bernie Marcus, and I can give testimony about the American dream. I lost my job and was broke when I was 48 years old. A dear friend suggested that my misfortune presented a great opportunity to build a small business based upon an idea I had once shared with him. Only in America could be could being without a job and broke be a great opportunity. In 1978, my partners and I built four hardware stores, and this small business grew and is known as the Home Depot. Part of our legacy, Marcus writes, must be passing it on to future generations of Americans, our founding freedoms and values. I wrote that I wanted to sit on the sidelines, but the stakes were too high for me to walk away. The stakes are America's path forward. Do we want to continue the trajectory we're now on? I do not, because it would be disastrous for all Americans except the political elite. And I want you to hear this part. This is interesting. He writes... This is Bernie Marcus. For Democrats, the choice is simple. If you feel that you're better off now than you were three years ago, you should vote for Joe Biden or whoever the Democrat candidate is. For Republicans, the choice is also simple. Let's face it. Donald Trump is going to win the nomination. You should be doing all you can to ensure his winning the general election. I understand the frustration of some of my Republican friends who do not like or are offended by things Donald Trump does and says, I too have been frustrated at times. But we cannot let his brash style be the reason we walk away from his otherwise excellent stewardship of the U.S. during his first term in office. Now is the time for unity to save the American dream for future generations. So he's he's endorsing Trump, but he's also saying, look, I I'm looking at the way things are, and I'm looking to break the pattern, to to stop the slide. And you think about Bernie Marcus, I don't know how much you know about his story, but um, he built these businesses, and when you build a business or own a business, you have to make hard choices. You have to hire and fire people, sometimes in ways that break your heart but that are necessary to the bottom line. You might have to downsize. You might have to close an underperforming location or lay off a staff that isn't, uh, you know, representing value 
or turning a business around. He's saying we need to hire the right person, not the most likable, affable, popular, you know, everything's rosy person. He doesn't say it, but he almost sounds like he's saying, you know, it's going to take a tough SOB, and he seems to be one. This guy is, is an SOB. And I think we're being kind of um, toyed with a little bit, we conservatives, you know? Because we've had amiable, likable, moral, conservative leaders, and they've been mocked by the same people that are, that are belittling Trump. So if their only concern was that Trump isn't a good enough guy, well, Mitt Romney was a good guy. And Ronald Reagan was an amiable man. You never saw him without a smile. And they belittled and mocked these people, and they told us they were not the stuff of which leaders are made. So they're full of ish, if you pardon my language, because now you get a guy that's tough and no nonsense and, you know, breaks the eggs, and they don't like him either. You see what's going on here, right? You're never going to make those people happy with the kind of person you think and I think we need. So stop trying. Forget what they think. Forget what they're telling you. Forget there's never going to be a scenario where somebody is conservative and shrewd and a good leader and effective and the New York Times and CNN are very happy to see him or her arrive. That's Those, those things are all never going to all happen at the same time, right? 210-599-5555. Your thoughts on that? Your votes in today's JR Poll. Another update on KTSA, Time Saver Traffic. Man, how did we get to the middle of November already? Like I missed something. Probably missed a lot, actually. Jack, you're definitely missing something. Uh, 210-599-5555 will get you in. Today's Jack Riccardi Show on KTSA. Wayne is on the radio. Hi, Wayne. Hey, Jack, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, Wayne. How you doing? I'm good, man. Hey, I, listen, I agree with everything you were just talking about. And, and, you know, it's sad because I think the average American doesn't look at a job like the president as a leadership-type role. And, yes, we need good leaders who can make hard decisions. But, I, I, honestly, until we get rid of uh, the politicians well, not get rid of, until we put in term limits to get these guys out of Washington, that homestead, for their entire career, we're not going to see any changes. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm all for term limits, uh, Wayne, but the fact is we also have to pick, because uh, the president is term limited, and right. uh, it's not that presidents serve too long, it's that uh, we are constantly coached to look for people we'd like to have a beer with when really what we're doing is we're hiring somebody to deal with the worst people in the world, the, the, the biggest threats in the world. That's not going to be, you know, a guy that's smiling and chuckling his way along. You, you, you have to hire somebody, not just pick somebody you'd like to hang around with and and the media do that they tell you that you should like this person or or warm up to them 
But they're going to deal with Xi and Putin and the, the mullahs in, in Tehran. That That's not a, a personality thing. No, and then, and then they got to fight the swamp. And they got to fight the swamp, right. Yeah, I mean, let somebody else be the, you know, that's what vice presidents are for. Let them be smiling and laughing. But I, I, I think when people say they support Trump, what they're saying is not, I want him to be my next-door neighbor. They're saying, I think we should hire a person like this because they can do what needs doing and that's that's all they're saying oh absolutely he can clean up the mess and that's what you need right now yeah wayne thanks for the call good to have you on our show uh 210-599-5555 and again um it isn't i'm not one of those people who thinks he's the only one but i think the the numbers and we were talking about this earlier when you look at the numbers and it's pretty consistent now it's been going on for months in every survey, uh, the numbers are pretty close to being the same. That's, that's usually a giveaway that, you know, there's some consistency there. There's, there's, um, a reliability to those numbers. He has led and in fact led even a little more as they've layered on the additional indictments and, um, scheduled the trials. Now, I'll, I'll be the first to say you shouldn't vote for Donald Trump because they're prosecuting him. I mean, that that's not the way this is supposed to work. He doesn't need your sympathy. The presidency's not a consolation prize. But I do think people that already believe he's the right guy for the moment also think, as proof of that, look at the the concerted and really kind of crooked effort to get him. I mean, like this judge in New York, is a weirdo. I mean, he, he, the, the stuff he says and his composure in the courtroom and the facial, I mean, he's just a weirdo. And Letitia James, the Attorney General of New York State, she cannot keep the self-satisfied smile off her face. She's not even able to fake the kind of gravitas you would think the moment called for, like, i got to pretend this is very serious and we hate that it's come to the... No. These people are having a field day. So when you and I look at the world and the cheese is sliding off the cracker and we see unserious people in positions of power, it only kind of confirms the kind of person we think we need. So I'm not telling you what to do or how to vote. I'm just saying it, it's very clear why. In survey after survey, people are saying what they're saying. Mark is on the Jack Riccardi Show, line one on KTSA. Hello, Mark. Yeah, hey, I agree with you. It's a two-pronged attack. Get the right president, someone Trump-like or someone equivalent. But then for that individual to go after the bureaucrats and the regulators, they run our country. Yeah, And it's going to be a messy fight. These government unions are strong. I just retired from the Air Force hospital temporarily. These regulators out of D.C. and spread across our country and and state governments, too, especially like I, I, I grew up in Illinois. These government unions have enormous power and mm-hmm. someone's got to go in and fight them. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I mean, we're really hiring the person who will start the job. We're not, we're not hiring the person who will finish it. Exactly. 
And yeah. if I would, I, you know, I have a lot of GS civilian friends, but I'm telling you, there has to be a massive cut in our government workforce. And that will be a fight that I don't know if anyone's willing. And I know I make probably some people angry, but I see it up close. And uh, not that they don't do wonderful work, but some of these people are getting like three, four different pensions. We're $34 mm-hmm. trillion dollars in debt. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. have to re- we look at this whole government union, pensions, whatever, if we ever want to get our debt down. Agreed. And well said. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate your call. Hope you'll call again. We're going to catch up on all the news of the day with Tom here and then roll right into more of this conversation here on KTSA. 607 on 550 and 1071 KTSA. You know how when you're in a conversation with uh, someone, let's say you're in a meeting, there's certain phrases that pin your you know, your BS meter. You have a BS meter, right? We all do, right? There's certain things that people say that tell you, oh, here we go. I'm about to get, they're about to lay it on pretty thick. They're about to spread it double thick, right? And one of those things that always precedes an excuse, well, not always, but often precedes an excuse is, well, it's complicated. You know, you're asking somebody, can you help me with this? Or I need you to do this. Well, it's complicated. Are we going to be able to, well, it's complicated. I guess they even say on, on like, um, dating apps, sometimes instead of putting single or divorced, people put it's complicated. And that would be a red flag for me. Like, okay, <laughs> okay. Why don't you come back when you've uncomplicated it, right? Anyway, we've always heard that homelessness and uh, drug use in our cities and our in parks and public places and the the spectacle of tent encampments under freeways that's complicated. You conservatives don't understand. You don't know how cities work. You don't understand. In fact, you're, you even use the wrong words. It's not homelessness. It's the unhoused. It's urban outdoorsmen. I remember that phrase in the nineties. We had a good time with that on the show. Somebody said they were urban outdoorsmen, which makes it sound like you should go to Cabela's or something, right? Like what? What? Is it a hobby? So we were told that Austin and now even San Antonio, having tent cities, having panhandlers, having public defecation, people having to run a gauntlet to get into their workplace. These are all things that come with big cities in the 21st century and too bad, suck it up, that's the way it is. And maybe it's capitalism's fault. And just for good measure, sometimes they blame climate change to, well, there's going to be a lot more homelessness because of climate change. Okay. That's what we've been hearing, right? It's complicated. You wouldn't understand. And all of a sudden, in one of America's largest cities, and and arguably the most infamous of our large cities, because I think in recent months and years, no place has had worse headlines than San Francisco. From poop on the sidewalks, to needles in the park, to... Stores and businesses leaving the downtown and 
retailers closing, even, even institutions that had been in San Francisco for decades calling it quits. They've been through it all. They went through Haight-Ashbury. They went through the, the Vietnam War protests. They went through the, the, the dismal 70s. They somehow survived all these things. They survived the summer of 2020, and now they just can't. That's it. They're tapping the mat. I'm out. All of a sudden, San Francisco is virtually free of homelessness, of drugs, of tent encampments, all because San Francisco and the ambitious governor of California, who was once the mayor of San Francisco, Gavin Newsom, his political base is still there, all because they're hosting the Asian Pacific, Asian Pacific Economic Summit, I believe is what it's called, or conference, APEC conference. And this is two dozen countries, including but not limited to the president of China. It is Joe Biden and the team from the Biden administration all coming to San Francisco. Now, San Francisco is not a backwater. San Francisco hosted the first uh, meetings of the United Nations 75, 80 years ago. And San Francisco's been the, the site of many an international gathering and conference and convention. But Gavin Newsom has plans, and he wants to look good. And so they they did things that we were told couldn't be done. And they did it at, with a speed and an efficiency that was remarkable. And, I mean, it's not subtle. They're power washing and steam cleaning the transit stations. They have relocated thousands of homeless and addicts to camps that are not really outside the city, but more or less out of view of the APEC participants. You know, when you go to one of these things, you, they, they know kind of the, <clears throat> the general area you're going to be in. It's just as long as it looks good and anything unseemly is out of camera range. So that's what they've done. Now, I'm not, I'm not surprised by any of this. I mean... If you've been watching this Newsome guy, you're not surprised by anything he does. He is pure, naked ambition. We have not seen this since Bill Clinton. I mean, you remember how Clinton was. Every move he made, every gesture, every word, it was ambition. I don't think he has quite the, the gifts and the skills of a Bill Clinton, but it's the same general idea. I'm a man in a hurry. I'm the man of the moment. It's my time. And uh, I'm not surprised by it. I, I do, however, think that he has stripped all the other mayors and governors, Austin, San Antonio, Chicago, New York, he has stripped them naked of their excuses. How in the world are they going to continue to say it's complicated? It's complicated. He did it in like a week. He threw money at it. He let it be known it had to work, it had to happen. We're talking about thousands and thousands of people. We're not talking about a couple of hundred people. We're not talking about painting the, 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 the lines on the crosswalk. Any city would do that for any kind of meeting or convention. I'm not talking about little penny ante stuff like that. We're, we're, you know, we're putting it, we're, we're cleaning the glass on the door of City Hall. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about remaking. 
San Francisco to the point that the local television stations that are all in the pocket and, and totally up the rear end of Newsom, they're doing stories about how the locals can't believe it. People are saying on camera, I don't recognize my own city. I, I, I've never seen this street look this way. I've never seen this neighborhood look this way. They've done what we didn't think could be done. And some of those people are now asking questions, like if they have the ability to do it, what were they waiting for? Why weren't we a reason to do it? Why wasn't it important before APEC? And that question answers itself, but they're asking. Now, here's another question. APEC will be over this weekend. I think it ends Saturday or Sunday. Then what? Are they going to put him back? Are they going to let him back in? Because, you, you, you again, you, you don't have the excuse of we don't know what to do or we don't have the money or it's complicated. You don't have that anymore. And you don't have it for any city now. So we all should be asking in our cities, why? where is our San Francisco moment? Where is our APEC moment? What do you think? 210 599 By the way, they built a tall security fence uh, around the area that only credentialed people will be able to go into. It looks like it's about 10 feet tall. And I've seen things like this before. You'll see them around political conventions and things like that. These are the people, this is the political party that said walls were immoral. It's not who we are, said Barack Obama and Nancy Pelosi. This is not who we are. How come when they put up a wall or a fence around the U.S. Capitol, it's totally who we are? And it's effective, and it's okay. But when Trump did it, it was immoral, and it didn't work, and he's crazy, and we're not doing that, and... It's, oddly enough, effective and obvious to them in a moment like this. They don't want any any embarrassing incidents. They don't want any bad photo ops. It's not violent or exclusionary. Apparently, it is who we are. 210-599-5555. All right, let's talk about that, and we'll get your votes in on the JR poll and get an update on KTSA time saver traffic. You know that, you know that you're going to be Clark Griswold. You know that you're going to be daisy chaining those extension cords and trying to figure out how to get one more thing plugged in out front or what have you. And, and there's no need for it. It's so easy with Mr. Electric to add an, another electrical outlet or two outside your home, just like it is to add them inside. You know, just as you've figured out by now where you need to map a little more electricity in your house because Either the kids are using more electronics or one of you is working from home or things of that nature. We're, we're all plugging more things in than we used to. Well, Mr. Electric can also increase the power points on the front of your house or maybe out back on the deck or patio. Call 210-248-2026 and you'll get upfront pricing with senior and military discounts available if you qualify. They do good work at a good price. They even do a whole home safety checkup at no charge to you. 
Everything that touches electricity, you get a report card. 210-248-2026 or schedule online at mrelectric.com and put in your zip code. That's mrelectric.com. Sports and a good time too on 550 KTSA and FM 107.1. There is actually a, a clip of uh, Gavin Newsom holding a news conference. I think it was last Thursday or Friday, where he asks out loud the question: Are people going to say we just did this because there's leaders coming to town? And he says, "Yeah, that's true." I mean, it's 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 got to be a moment of of truth for. Um, people that live in San Francisco to know that y- you were not you were not a reason to scrape the poo-poo off the sidewalk but but president she was and um your your complaints your plight you having to live with it and deal with it that wasn't enough but the apec leaders coming in for a week was that's i mean you know what they say when people show you who they really are you should believe them I didn't go see the Marvels movie. Did you see it? I'd like to talk to somebody who saw it because I read something interesting. Um, this is the latest Marvel Comics Universe uh, movie. It's called The Marvels, which when I heard that, I thought, man, it sounds like they're kind of running out of uh, <laughs> they're running out of titles. <laughs> you know, you don't have like Captain America or Incredible Hulk, just The Marvels. But anyway, um, this had the worst opening of any of the MCU movies to date. And it wasn't that it was awful. It made $47 million, but that's much lower than any other previous Marvel movie. And the reason I'm wondering, if you, if you saw it, I'd just be curious. I have heard that it is heavy on the PC. That they are going all out. They're making a point about Trump and J6, and it's an all woman cast. And I just wonder if this is an example of ruining a franchise because you had to make it woke. And lately, Disney's doing a lot of this. This is a company that knows how to print money, but they are going out of their way to do things that are counterintuitive, counterproductive. So again, I've only heard stuff, and I'd be curious to hear what what you think or what you've heard about it. Uh, but it did it did not do well, and um, people people who saw it complained that it was kind of political and DEI. And uh, I mean, there's a lot of questions about what's happening in the movie business, just even outside of politics. I, I I've read a lot of interesting. Uh, thought pieces where people say, you know, it's starting to look like the pendulum is swinging back toward movies that have a plot um, and movies that are produced for and amenable to more adult audiences. And I, I could see that. I mean, if you think about the the price point of going to the movies, it probably is going to become something that, like, you know, Gen Xers and so forth do, uh, and even boomers. I mean, I've, I've told the story before, and if, if you're of a certain age, you can remember this. When I was in my teens and early 20s, 
my friends and I would we would go to a movie theater. We just pick one. Let's go to you know the such and such one, or let's go over here. We're gonna be in we're gonna be in Framingham. Let's go to Framingham, and then we didn't know what the movies were. We didn't know what the times were. We would just go into the lobby and make a decision right there. Oh, you know what? I want to see this one. I want to see that one. And it was, you know, 250 <laughs> And, you know, you, you didn't have to reserve your tickets ahead of time or whatever. You couldn't. And we would just go. We, we, we would see movies just to have something to do. It was very cheap. You didn't get your hopes up tremendously. We saw some good ones. We saw some dogs. We saw a lot of movies that were... That, that had people in it we liked, but were not great movies. Like, okay, well, really like, you know, this actor, but th- that was not one of his better movies. I don't think it's like that anymore. You know, you pick a movie, you, you reserve the seats, you, you plan it a little bit, you, you spend a lot more money. Even allowing for inflation, you're spending more money. So maybe you gotta start making movies that people want instead of just kind of pumping it out there and going, well, these are the movies people should see. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not an expert, and I didn't see this movie. It just sounds like it's of a piece with the other trends that we're seeing, right, where people are people are basically saying, leave the politics out. I'm here to get away from that. I'm here to forget about that. You know, I watch a lot of old movies. I know that comes as a shock. But I'm always fascinated when you watch an old movie. I'm talking about like TCM, you know, I watch TCM a lot. Don't worry, I'm not going to go down memory lane here. But when I'm watching these old movies, like I watched one, um, oh, I think it was last week. It was, it was wild. I had, I had heard of it. I had never seen it before. It was called Gun Crazy. And really the plot of it is, it's not a very well-known movie, but the plot of it is that this, this couple who are both kind of screwed up and are even worse together, they go on kind of this cross-country crime spree. And it's the old story of the more crime they do, the more crime they have to do, because the more they're in trouble and on the run, the more they need to steal to stay on the run. And, you know, you can see it's going to end horribly, and I won't give it away. But anyway, I'm watching this movie. And if you think about it, it's dealing with some pretty heavy-duty stuff. These two are star-crossed lovers. They betray the people in their lives. They, they're breaking all ten of the commandments. They're, 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 there's really horrible killings and shootings and, you know. You can't tell as you watch this movie the politics of anyone in it. There is no statement about guns, gun laws, gun control. There is no statement about criminal justice reform. There's no, no one is making any kind of pitch for this or that political party or movement. It's a story. It's acting. It's action. It's not great. It's okay. You know, it was a good hour and a half of my time. But I'm always fascinated by, wow, you, you could make a movie that had none of your own politics in it. Because I'm sure that there were people involved with it 
who contributed to candidates, who voted, who advocated. I mean, that's always been a thing. As long as there's been a movie industry, it's been joined at the hip to politics. It was financed by powerful people who also dabbled in politics, like Joseph Kennedy. It's been an important tool of politicians. Politicians from pretty much from Franklin Roosevelt to the present day have tapped into and used Hollywood. Hollywood was instrumental in getting the country ready for World War II. Hollywood respond, responds to social conditions, whether it's the Depression or, uh, you know, the 60s or the Vietnam War or 9-11, right? But it is entirely possible to make the movie, entertain the people with the popcorn, and leave them be. Let them have a break. Don't say it can't be done, right? It's like the San Francisco thing. It can be done. It has been done. 210-599-5555. If you saw the Marvels movie, just curious to know what you thought. Did it strike you as being kind of heavy-handed? Or maybe you liked it. I mean, it, it did not have a good weekend, but maybe you actually enjoyed it. I'd love to hear that. We'll get to the results on today's JR poll, powered by River City Oral Surgery, coming up as well. And look, if you're putting off an important uh, procedure like implants or having wisdom teeth dealt with, uh, you you are probably putting it off either because of pain or price or maybe both, maybe the pain of the price. But at River City Oral Surgery, Dr. Mark Haverkorn is on your side and my side, our side. So it's total price transparency. You don't have any surprise bills. You don't have any trouble knowing what your out-of-pocket will be with River City Oral Surgery. And if you don't believe me, go to rivercityoms.com. You'll see all of their services, all of the prices you pay for them. And then when it comes to your comfort, a state-of-the-art fitness center, a great team, a medical anesthesiologist on staff for every procedure, including yours, when you go to River City Oral Surgery. That's River City Oral Surgery and Dr. Mark Haverkorn. Go to RiverCityOMS.com. That's RiverCityOMS.com. 637 on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Hey, don't forget, Rapping with Jack, we're underway for 2023, and it's it's always kind of a conundrum because when we're talking about uh, providing a Christmas gift to unwrap for each member of each family served by Family Service Association. We always have to talk about it at a time of year when you probably haven't even started or you've just barely started planning for your family. But we have to work faster. We have to work on a accelerated schedule. Um, we need to know if we've hit the target um, really in the next couple of weeks. So if you are moved... To make a donation, either money or gifts that you donate for our wrapping party on December 6th, go to KTSA.com right now. You can see all the ways to give. You can actually give right there, and that's the easiest thing, and a lot of people do that. Uh, but however you choose to do it, different ways to help, KTSA.com, please and thank you. And it's presented by Quarter Moon Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning, River City Oral Surgery, Copenhagen Imports, and Institute for Functional Health. And by the way... Um, I would not come to you if I was not 101% convinced and impressed by the, the folks at Family Service Association. This is San Antonio's oldest and probably best known family charity. 
And so these are solid people doing incredible work, the work of the Lord, really, and doing it right here. This is helping right here where help is needed, and you can help us with Rapping with Jack. So please don't put it off because we only have a couple of weeks, and go to ktsa.com. And and then we want everybody to come out. Please come out and be with us on December 6th at the famous Blue Bonnet Palace in Selma. We'll be out there broadcasting live and wrapping the presents, all that good stuff. Uh, 210-599-5555. The, um, this was kind of a funny story. We've been kind of talking about blue cities, democratic cities. Um, Daily Mail, Chicago migrants are fleeing back to Venezuela after being dumped in shelters and refused jobs. After 20,000 border crossers so far have been bussed to this sanctuary city, Chicago has become so unpleasant that some migrants are fleeing back to Venezuela. Illinois' harsh winters, lack of infrastructure, ambivalent support from locals has made some people who undertook the harsh border journey actually turn around and go back home. And they talked to a family that had been receiving assistance through the voucher program the city had. The dad of the family found a job in construction for a while. It wasn't enough. And they've decided to go back five months after getting here. Quote, there's nothing here for us. The journey was not worth it. Um, I mean, I'm sure that's not everybody's experience, and that's not how this is going to end with all the immigrants going back. But, but I mean, it kind of it kind of tells you something um, about how we're doing immigration, because the typical the typical immigrant story when you talk about the great wave of immigration, like in the late 1800s, early 1900s, the 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 wave that my grandparents were a part of. They came in 1910. You you had people that left a place they were definitely not going back to. And they were coming to a place they knew they needed to be in. And they also knew what was going to happen and what was expected of them. And you can call it harsh or you can call it politically incorrect you can call it anything you want but the experience of the italians the irish the germans the russians the poles was if you want to make it here you're going to have to work you're going to have to prove yourself to us not we are going to have to prove ourselves to you you're going to, have to prove yourself to us. And we want to see overt examples that you're buying in. So and this is a very common story. I'm sure you've heard it. You've had it in your family. My dad remembers his parents telling him and his brother and his sisters, only English, only English. And they were told this by parents that hardly spoke any English, but they wanted their kids to speak English because they knew that if they didn't, it reinforced the idea that they were others. And if they did, it reinforced the idea that they were entering American life. They were Americans. Maybe the first generation couldn't fully do it. They would always have the 
you know, the whatever you want to call it, the 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 miasma of the old country, right? You could you could pick them out. But their kids were absolutely going to be Americans. And you see this even in the popular culture. If you look at the depiction of immigrant families, if you look at West Side Story or you you know you, anything, the the, the picture is very clear. We're choosing America. We're going to ingratiate ourselves. We're going to be the most American Americans you've ever seen. And that's how it worked. So. It was an incredible opportunity. It was life-changing. It was treated that way. It was treated like something valuable. When you show that you think it's valuable, the newcomer sees it as valuable too. When you treat it as, I can take it or leave it, or we're multi-culti, we're not really gonna, we're not really hung up on language or, you know, uh, patriotism or knowing our history or speaking English. Eh, we're not, you know, eh, whatever. And that's that's how it seems to them. We had a caller mention earlier uh, Teddy Roosevelt, and that vision of immigration was not looking at it through rose-colored glasses and quoting the the poem at the base of the Statue of Liberty. That was like we're letting people in strategically. We've got an idea about how this is going to benefit the country. It will also benefit the people we're letting in, but it's going to benefit the country. And it was done very, I would say, strategically, even shrewdly. You know, it's funny. Um, probably a lot of the politicians and powerful and rich people, they probably hated the immigrants. They probably didn't like the way they smelled and looked and the food they brought with them and the, you know, whatever. And they certainly weren't going to let their sons and daughters mix with these people. And yet they, they let them in and they, they made it work because they saw the value to building a society that way. They didn't have slogans like, our diversity is our strength, which is inane. They said, we're, we've got our eye on a prize. We want to build things. We want to build out our ind- industry and our cities, and we want to ramp up our ability to produce, and we want to outproduce the world. And then... As it turned out in the 1930s, we discovered we were going to have to ramp up and produce. And we made decisions that made that possible. The The victory of World War II was probably due to immigration as much as any other thing. Because the not just the, the soldier and the airman, but the, the factory worker and the farmer and the truck driver and the warehouse worker, these were in many cases second-generation people, even first-generation. So we built a country that saved the world. And we were letting people in the whole time we were doing that. And and there's a way to do it. But we're not doing it that way now. And and it's incredible as as much as we complain about the southern border and we lament the the brokenness of of Biden's immigration system, amazingly we're still hanging in there. Because even at our worst, we're better at this than Europe is. Europe is in a bad way. We were talking about this earlier in the show. They, they, they're losing their cities completely. 
their police are outnumbered. The, the, the mobs that are out protesting on behalf of Hamas and supporting Hamas and saying death to the Jews, those, those mobs are too big for those police departments. Period. So they have to act like they're flexing and bending rather than breaking, but the truth is they can't stop it. It's not a choice. But they don't have the experience of assimilation. They've never had to do it. And they also have that low birth rate. I talked about the Peter Zihan book the other day. If you haven't read it, terrific book to read. If you're looking for something maybe over the holidays, is a book called um, The End of the World as We Know It by Peter Zihan. And what he's saying is, is that when you combine the shrinking birth rates in most places with the broken supply chains, what you're going to have is a future where countries will have to produce all their own stuff. You'll only be able to eat what your country grows. You'll only be able to buy and use what your country makes. And for most countries, that's going to be a disaster. And it's going to be bad for some really big countries that we think of as juggernauts. But they just don't have enough young people. They just don't have enough diversity of production. And and he says, actually, it's going to be very hard on Americans, but America might be the best prepared country in the world to do it. Not that it'll be easy. It just won't be as bad. And, you know, we we still have a chance to start to turn this thing. But I look at, like, the pictures from London this past weekend. I don't think they do. I hope I'm wrong. I really do. All right, results on the JR poll. We're going to see how you voted on today's River City Oral Surgery JR poll question coming up next on KTSA. J.R. Poll, powered by River City Oral Surgery. Should Republicans nominate Donald Trump or one of the other candidates? We were talking earlier about how Senator Tim Scott dropped out and said, I, you know, I've read the room and I've listened and it's clearly not my time. And good for him. I mean, I like him. I think he's a good person. I, I think he is saying something that is obvious. And you wonder why it's not obvious to more people that are supposed to be smart about politics and politicians. Anyway, uh, 86% said Trump, 14% said one of the others. We'll have a new JR poll tomorrow when we get started at 4 Live or find the JR poll anytime at KTSA.com. There was a uh, book we had on the show many years ago. This was probably 10 or 12 years ago called Ten Ways to Destroy the Imagination of Your Child. And I think a lot of people were provoked just by the title, like, what in the world? But it's a, it's a, it's an intended to be an attention-getting title. And the author, Anthony Esselin, basically writes about how we are snuffing out imagination and freedom by over-parenting, over-scheduling, over-protecting our kids. And there's now a school of thought, and I don't know if Anthony Esselin agrees with this or not, but it made me think of him when I heard about it, um, that we are, and it's called safetyism, and that we are so focused on safety that we are producing monsters. When you teach kids that every 
risk must be avoided, no chances must ever be taken. You kind of exaggerate the dangers of the world itself. You know, you you kind of make it seem as if every activity requires a helmet. And it's one thing to be safe on a skateboard or a bike, but I wonder if that's what is, and a lot of people are wondering, if that's what is also leading to this sort of fragility of ideas. In other words, if we're teaching them that every physical step they take is an injury waiting to happen, you know, kids can't be alone, they can't go anywhere alone, they can't play at the park, they can't ride their bikes out of the neighborhood, then is that also sort of teaching them that hearing things they disagree with or hearing ideas that are not the ideas talked about at home or seeing a religion that is not the one they practice or culture or whatever, you know, a a political sign, a slogan. In other words, if we're teaching them that the world is physically dangerous, then we're also maybe teaching them that the world is intellectually and emotionally dangerous. And that would explain this kind of safe spaces. I can't hear the guest speaker. I can't hear a dissenting point of view. I should not have to see a a flag, a slogan, a, a demonstration that I would disagree with. It would be interesting if the people that were worried that we were sheltering our kids from physical activity might have actually missed the point. We're really really sheltering them from intellectual activity or enough of it. Anyway, we'll develop that, get into that a little bit more tomorrow. We always talk about what's in the news and what's going on in our noggins, and I want to hear what's in yours. We'll do that live at 4 tomorrow or find the Jack Riccardi Show anytime as a podcast. Have a good night.